Pastor Pam sends her love. She is out in Tulsa, Oklahoma for a graduation of one of our granddaughters, Megan, who's graduating today or tomorrow, I guess it is. And uh, we thank God for her trip out there. I'm sure Pam will share some of this when she gets back, if you haven't already heard. But coming out of Dallas, uh, one of the engines went out on the plane. It blew out. And uh, she said, I've never heard uh, a noise that loud. It shook the whole plane. It started to wobble and that they had to fly around, declared an emergency and got all of the emergency equipment out like you see in the movies and landed the plane and everything was safe. And I said, honey, you get all the excitement. Glory to God. But she said, I don't know that I would have called that exciting. And uh, but anyway, uh, all is well. And so she sends her love to each and every one of you. It seems like every server, somebody comes in and says, do you have a joke today? I haven't heard anybody arrive say, I can't wait for the exciting message. Everybody's coming in and saying, what is the joke for today? So, okay, here it is. Are you ready? Now, you got to, if, if you really understand laughter, and if you understand the scripture that says, a very heart doeth good like a medicine, Jesus said, I came to give you my joy so that your joy would be full. Joy and laughter is medicinal. You have endorphins in your brain that are just waiting to be released through laughter and joy that go into the nerve endings in your body. And it's like an opiate. It makes you actually feel better. So you can self-medicate by just having a great deal of joy. So, uh, so here it is. This is the story. Now, I love baseball, so this is easy for me to tell this story. And uh, especially if you're talking about the New York Yankees. But I love baseball, but that's all right. But anyway, these two boys were toward the end of their life. They were uh, two men. They were very, very old. And, uh, but they, they had grown up together from little kids, and they played Little League Baseball together. And they just loved baseball. And all through their life, they would talk about baseball, and they played baseball together. And so as the one friend was dying... His other friend was visiting him, sitting next to his bed, and it was quite obvious that he was going to die very shortly. And uh, so the friend who was not dying said, would you do me a favor when you get to heaven? And they said, yeah, what would you like for me to do? And he said, see if there are baseball fields up there and see if they play baseball in heaven and let me know. I just think that it would be great. Now, for all of you theologians, just give the story a break, okay? (laughs) And uh, so his friend said, yeah, I will do that. So sure enough, uh, that Sunday, Monday, whenever uh, uh, he died and he went on to heaven. And so his friend went to bed one night and he said, I'd just really like to know about what heaven's like and if it has baseball fields. So that night in the middle of the night, he had this vision and it was crystal clear. And his friend was speaking to him from heaven. And he said, listen. There are baseball fields everywhere. There are all sorts of leagues up here. I'm already on a team. He said, it's just good news and for you bad news. Uh, And he said, well, what about the rest of good news? He said, the fields are immaculate and we all can play as often as we want. He said, well, that is really awesome news. He said, what's the bad news? He said, you're scheduled to pitch Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Luke, chapter 4. We're going to be talking about, <laughs> none of you are scheduled to pitch on Wednesday, by the way. You're all scheduled to be here Wednesday. But we're going to be looking at Luke, chapter 4, and uh, I want to talk to you just for a few moments. I, I'm working on a series that I believe the Lord has given me on the end times and 
how we are rapidly approaching the end times. And if you really study the scriptures in the Word of God and let the Holy Spirit show you Matthew 24, uh, 2 Peter, uh, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 3, things are lining up that we may not be there yet, but we're a lot closer today than we were yesterday. Would you say amen to that? And by the way, today is Larry Campbell's birthday. Did we say that in this service? Larry Campbell. Everybody say, happy birthday, Larry. Happy birthday, Larry. It's a little bit off the subject, but several, several years ago, when we first started the church, we hadn't been here too long, Larry Campbell shows up at church. Now, Larry and Campbell and I go all the way back to high school and the Burger Chef. How many of you remember Burger Chef era? And I said, Larry, what are you doing here? And he said, I want to see what you're up to. <laughs> because I, I remember what you used to be like. And I, I've heard your pastor in this church now, and this I can't really believe. So he, 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 uh, he came, and then, and then he left. N never saw him again. And so one day I was praying in the morning, and I wasn't thinking about Larry Campbell at all. I was just praying. And, and instantly in my spirit, what I heard was, call Larry Campbell and tell him, get back in church immediately. And so I picked up the phone. I called him. I said, now, Larry, I have a word. I believe it's from the Lord. You need to get back in the church and get back immediately. That's all I have to say. And I hung up. That Sunday came to church. Larry Campbell sitting there. I said, Larry, what are you doing here? And he said, you told me to come back. <laughs> he's, he's been here ever since. <laughs> well, anyway, what happens is as we get closer and closer to the end times, there, there are a lot of hurting people out there in the world that you and I are going to be assigned to reach and that this church is going to be assigned to reach. The vision of this church is sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus with everyone. And I thank God for people who come to this church who aren't coming in with a whole lot of baggage. I really do. But for the most part, a lot of people that come to this church are coming in here with a whole lot of challenges. How many of you came to this church with a whole lot of challenges in your life? And that's what we are. We are a spiritual restoration center. And that in Luke chapter 4, verses 18 and 19, we're going to share that in just a moment. Jesus had just come from the wilderness. He had been baptized. He came out, went into the wilderness to be, to be tempted by the devil. He, he, he was victorious in the wilderness. He came out and said with the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. And he came out and he went directly into the synagogue, which was his, into the temple, which was his, his, his habit during that period of time. And, and he spoke out of Isaiah 60, really, when they gave him the scroll. But he basically, in Luke 18 and 19, chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, he talked about what had happened when the Holy Spirit had come upon him. Now, the Holy Spirit that came upon Jesus is the same Holy Spirit that came into your heart when you were born again. When you were born again, you received the power of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, your body is now, 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you have the same power in you that Christ had in him. And in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Folks, you don't have to look very far 
to find people that are going to fit this category. As a matter of fact, when I looked at this after uh, praying about this message that the Lord had for us today, I fit every one of these categories at one time or another in my life. I know what it's like to be spiritually poor, to be financially poor, to be brokenhearted, to be oppressed, all of these things, to feel like I'm a captive in my own body. When, when I got saved, just like when you probably got saved, everything that you were facing before you got saved stayed the same. Hopefully you viewed it differently, but you were still that same person other than you had eternal life, you'd been forgiven of all your sins, but you still felt for the most part the same way about yourself before. Only when you discovered your value to God did your life begin to change. And the Word of God is very clear. You are valuable to God. Turn to your neighbor and tell me, you are valuable to God. When I was first saved, most of you have heard this story. <clears throat> God brought Pam into my life. She had been saved a lot longer than I had. And, the, and the, word, the only word that I really heard burning inside my spirit was, go to Tulsa and you'll find the meaning of your life. I thank God for a wife who encouraged, exhorted, edified me. Uh, she just was always, always making me feel better about myself and who I was. And I realized that it took me a while to realize this, but until I saw value in myself, I wasn't going to be valuable to others. Does that make sense to you? You know, the people sometimes ask, well, you know, what is our value? Well, the, you determine value by what is paid for. We're trying to sell my in-law, John and Lou Beal's home over in West Lafayette, Indiana. If you don't want to buy a house, come see me right after service. I'll be happy to sell it to you quickly because we need it for their assisted living home. But, but, uh, but anyway, you know, people might say, well, what's the house worth? Well, it's worth whatever you'll pay. Uh, it, it, how do you determine value? Whatever will be paid for that is that value. What was paid for your life? Well, the, the cost was the Son of God and sacrificing his life on the cross and, and suffering a horrible, horrible death, resurrecting with the keys to the kingdom of God out of the pit of hell and now sitting at the right hand of the Father and that we have been absolutely restored. You are valuable to God. Tell that person on each side, you are valuable to God. When you discover your value and that God then wants to take that value and use that value, then you become a different person. It's not, oh, woe is me. It's, oh, here I am. What can I do? Because in the world today, the people who are broken, especially the brokenhearted, captives, the blind, the oppressed, they're everywhere. Can I see the hands of the people who know people like that? They're everywhere. Let's all say, they're everywhere. Now, what's going to happen is a lot of these people who don't even know that they're there. They're living and running and gunning in the world. As we get closer to the end times and everything that is shaken is going to be shaken, believe me, believe the Word of God, it is going to be shaken. And all of a sudden, these prodigals that are out there doing their thing, a lot of them are prodigals. They've been brought up in the church and then they got away from it. But a lot of them, they're going to be coming home. A lot of people, they've never even known the Lord, but they're out there and they're going to be coming home. And we as a church are going to be open to receive them all of the baggage that they're bringing. So let's all say, we're going to be open for them. We're not going to look at them saying, nah, 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 I told you so. No, 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 no. You've been rejected. Let me see the hands of all the people who've been rejected time and time again by people you've reached out to. I remember that 
I remember when I first got saved and I tried to witness to this guy. He'd been my friend for years. He turned on me like a viper. All I did was try to tell him about Jesus. He got so upset. I'd known the guy for 20 years, 20 years. And all of a sudden, I just wanted to talk to him about Jesus, and he turned on me. Now, after a while, you can become a little bit hard to people like that. But let's just say that. That's not me. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not going to get hard. We're not going to get hard. We're going to reach out to people constantly. I was talking to Erasmo earlier about Bill. Bill is not in this service, is he? He was in the last service. Bill's a Vietnam uh, a veteran. Uh, he's, he, he's spent almost, I think, 15, 16 years in the military, and then he went to work with an organization that supplies people to the military. And he, he was, he, he's an interesting guy to talk to. He's a, he's a war hero. And uh, he's in our church now. And uh, praise God, he accepted Jesus. And he's just, he's just really awesome. And Rosmo was telling me sometimes, how many of you got some people that sometimes they seem to grate on you? You know what I'm talking about? Let me see your hand. Can I see your hand? I just want to make sure. Okay. All right. Got the right group. And uh, I'm not saying that Bill did that to you, but it sure sounded like it as you were explaining it to me. I believe, I believe God has a sense of humor. Do you think God has a sense of humor? If you don't, just look at that person next to you. But but I think God has a sense of humor. He will assign people to you that sometimes you don't even like. And, and it's like, okay, you want me to love this person. Love those who what? Spitefully use you. And what happens is he'll give people to you sometimes that it's like, God, are you really sure about this? But he wants us to be able to see people the way he sees people. And about a year ago, two years ago, we have a, a, another ministry that we've started that we haven't fully activated because I haven't gotten everything done yet that we need, Victory World Outreach. And we're not patterning after anything. We're doing what God told us to do. But if I had to say of anything it was patterned after, if God were asking me, I would say Samaritan's Purse. I love Samaritan's Purse. And I read the book uh, by the founder of Samaritan's Purse, a man by the name of Bob Pierce. Now, many people think Franklin Graham started Samaritan's Purse. Franklin Graham was mentored by Bob Pierce. And, uh, and, and, and he said next to his father, Billy Graham, Bob Pierce is the most important influence and mentor in his life. And in this book, uh, Bob Pierce is talking about the time when he began to pray and ask God, God, help me see people the way you see them. Help me see the hurt and the pain in people. And I looked at that and, and I thought, well, that, that's interesting. Let me see people the way God sees them. Let me see the hurt, let them see their pain. And I recall praying that prayer and asking God, God, let me see people the way you see me. I'm almost ready to ask God to give me a time out in that prayer because it seems like when I'm around people sometimes, now if I start crying looking at you, it doesn't mean you got a problem, okay? <laughs> but but, but, but it, it's just like I just start crying. And inevitably we'll be, Pam and I will be at a restaurant and we'll see a situation or a circumstance or a person and, and I'll say, you know, honey, I think, and then all of a sudden I start crying. I think, oh, they're going to think I'm having a nervous breakdown or whatever. <laughs> I can't control it. It just happens. Any of you have that situation? It's just like, okay, let, let it flow, but 
for me, it becomes a little bit embarrassing, which I'm sure God's just laughing at me because he's not into embarrassment at all. And, and it, it just continues to flow. But when you start to see people like God sees them, <clears throat> Thursday, I think it was Thursday, Chris had a lady in her doing benevolence and I stopped by there. Thank God for Chris and all she does in benevolence. Give her a hand. She, our benevolence outreach... Our benevolence outreach has never stopped from day one in this church. And Chris is busy not only as our children's pastor, but all week long uh, taking phone calls and talking to people and bringing them in and telling them about Jesus, most important, but also helping them in their financial needs in this church. And we've had so many people that received Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And uh, when I walked in, this lady w- was sitting there, and, uh, and, and Chris said, she's having some questions about Jesus. I don't remember what all was said. And uh, she, I said something to her about she just needed to receive him. She said, I don't know if I want to or not. And uh, I just, just felt tears in my eyes. And it was like in a moment's notice, I could see all that she'd been through. You all kind of feel that in spirit when you're around some people. You don't know details per se, but almost in a moment's notice. And I just grabbed her hand, put my hand on her on her head, and I said, yes, you do, and you know you do. And she says, okay, yes, I do. And so she just prayed to receive Jesus, and it was, it was really awesome. And Chris, I didn't tell you this, but when I got in my car and I sat down, I just started weeping uh, because that girl is going to come out of her bondage because she came to us to get $50 or whatever she got. I don't even know what she got. But when you start to see people the way God sees them, you'll never be judgmental. Now, I'm not about to tell you that I'm not occasionally judgmental (laughs) because I am, but I try not to be. But when I read this book, Samaritan's Purse, and about how God sees the good in everybody, and he sees the value. So he's not out to judge anybody. He's out to woo everyone through his goodness so that they will receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Does that make sense to all of you? So when you find a church like that, or you find people like that, then you want to bring other people to it. Let me see the hands of all the people that you know a hurting person Who needs to hear that message? Bring them to church next Sunday. And when they tell you, Larry never told me this, just command them. Look at Larry. Melba has realized for years that if you command Larry, he'll do whatever he's told. (laughs) You just tell those people, you're coming to church with me next Sunday. We had this old boy one time. This is a little off the subject can't think of his name. Oh, I love this guy. Any of you think of his name, speak it out. You've been around here for years, all the way back to the basement. Uh, He's the guy that lived in the nursing home that I met at a hot dog stand. And he was coming out of the old Coney Island downtown. It's not down there any longer, but he's coming out of the Coney Island downtown one day. And I stopped him and I said, I said, "Uh, uh, uh, do you know Jesus? And he said, no. And I said, you like to see Jesus? He said, no. I said, why not? And he said, I'll do it next Sunday. And I said, what do you mean next Sunday? He said, when I come to your church. I said, you will. He said, yeah. And, and uh, I said, okay. And he said, when are you going to pick me up? <laughs> and I thought, you know, the rubber meets the road. <laughs> and I said, well, let's see, service starts at 9 o'clock, so I'll, I'll pick you up at 8. How's that? 
That's fine. Told me where he lived. <clears throat> I forget the street, but there's two streets downtown, New York and something else, and they run parallel and they're very similar. So I wrote down his address. Eight o'clock, went to this house, knocked on the door. Nobody showed up. Nobody showed up. And I thought, oh, the guy just gave me a hard time. So I went on to the church, forgot about it. Two weeks later, I'm back at the hot dog stand. There's a guy. And the, the hot dog stand was, was owned by a friend of mine I went to school with. He's completely gone, and that's completely irrelevant, too. But, but anyway, so he's there, and I said, uh, you gave, you, where were you Sunday? I came to get you to come to church. He said, where were you? I said, well, I was at your house. He said, no, you weren't. He said, uh, I was waiting on you. I said, well, you told me, and I thought it was New York. It might be Oregon. Do they go in alphabetical? Oregon, New York? Yeah. And, and I said, well, I got the address right here. He said, no, I don't live in New York. I live in Oregon. I said, really? I said, yeah. He said, you going to pick me up Sunday? I said, well, yeah. So I picked him up that Sunday. He came to church. And he came forward and gave his heart to the Lord exactly as he said. Now, he pushed me a little bit to the limits because he wasn't that likable in the beginning. <laughs> But after a while, I got to know him. And he came up to me one day, and he said, I really like your tie. Now, he'd lived on the streets, and I knew what he wanted. He wanted my tie. I like my tie, too. <laughs> so I gave him my tie, sent him home with it. About three, four months later, he went on to be with the Lord. And I went down to visit him just before he went to be with the Lord. And he had a picture of him and myself together. He had no family. And I did his service. When I showed up to do his service, he had my tie on. <laughs> and this thought went through my mind. He doesn't need that tie anymore. <laughs> but no, I did not take the tie. <laughs> but you know, that man is alive and well in heaven. Not because of the life he led. He led a pretty horrible life. He used to tell me some stories. It's like, whoa. But there are a bunch of people out there that God wants to use in the kingdom of God. And sometimes we can look at them and we can look down on them. Or one of the worst things is to be around somebody who is like the very thing in yourself that you used to hate. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's going to mess in now. <laughs> You know, it's very easy for some of us to really get upset with somebody who's like we used to be because we never liked the way we used to be. And now that we're set free, we still don't like that, even if it's in somebody else. That's not the way it works. So what happens is you see people the way the Lord sees them. And once that happens, it'll begin to change your life. The Word of God in John chapter 8, verse 32 says that you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's the truth that we're looking to impart to other people. And when they see that truth in us, they want what we have. People should want what you have. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, people should want what you have. They should actually want what you have. And that, that goodness inside you, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, and Jesus inside you brings people to that because they want what you have. We had... We had a guy in our church. I, I did his uh, service years ago. Yeah, his wife's not here. I did his service years ago, but he never came to our church very much. And uh, he, he never liked coming to our church very much. And I asked his wife one time, I said, 
why does your husband not like come to church? And he says, he thinks you're a phony. And, and I said, why is that? And he says, because you're happy all the time. And nobody can be happy that often. <laughs> I find it not being phony to act happy even if I don't feel happy. Does that make sense to you? In other words, let's say, let's all say I can act any way I want. So why not act happy? Because happy people are? It's deep teaching today, folks. Happy people are? Turn to your neighbor and tell them, happy people are happy. And they got into orphans flowing, and they're going down to the little opiates, and you're self-inducing yourself with drugs from your own mind. From your own mind. It is like a drug. It's from your own mind. God made you that way. And so when we get, get a hold of this message, then it really begins to change our life. Now, in, in, in Matthew chapter 16, it says that, that deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. In other words, nothing about you. Before you were saved, it was all about you. Now that you're saved and you got the power of the Holy Spirit, it's all about Him. Now we're on a mission. How many people can we help get out of the bondage of the, the brokenheartedness, the oppression, all of the junk that the world has to offer? There are so many people out there that are in bondage to the world and they think they're having a good time. They may have a lot of money. They may have a lot of drugs. They may have a lot of alcohol. They may have a lot of this. They may have a lot of that. They don't have anything if they don't have Jesus. And you and I have been called to intercept them and to help them and to tell them what we have. And so we deny ourselves, we pick up the cross, we follow after Jesus. Now, there are people that are waiting for what you have. And there are, in the last days, what the Lord has shown me is that they're going to be divine encounters. We're going to get away from our daytimers. We're going to get away from our planners. We're going to get away from all this stuff that we do. It says man plans his way, but really the Lord should direct our steps. And we're going, to, we're going to be on a mission for God and that He's going to take care of everything. Let's all say it. Divine encounters. They're coming. And years ago, a few years ago, not too many years ago, but a few years ago, John and I and Terry Henshaw were in Lima, Peru. We were doing an outreach down there and a VBI graduation and some other things, and we were there for about 10 days. And on this one particular day, Terry Henshaw, who's been here to our church and spoken, he wanted to, uh, he wanted to uh, go to a, a certain store that he had been in years ago, a little shop on one of the side streets, and buy something for his wife. And I didn't really feel like going, but just inside me I felt like I was supposed to go. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When something in here is showing you to do something, but you don't have no, you have no sense, no intellect, no knowledge up here. Let me see the hands if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, start doing what this thing is showing you. So I thought, okay, I'll go with you guys. Don't know why, but I'll go. So we get lost on one of the side streets. And Terry Henshaw said, I'll find a local Peruvian and they'll be able to tell me where the shop is. And so they're walking ahead of me about a half a block. I'm just sauntering along there. And all of a sudden, a woman comes out of the shop. And they stop the woman, and Terry's asking her about this shop and everything. And I see it taking place. And so I'm walking by them. And this woman stops and turns around and looks at me. And she points at me, and she starts almost screaming, I know you, I know you, I know you. And I think she's a little weird. But she's just pointing like, I know you, I know you. And she's jumping up and down. And I said, you know me? And she says, yes, 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 you're, you pastor a church, your wife, she leads worship in Indiana, in Indiana. And she's pointing. There are eight 
million people that live in Lima, Peru. And she's pointing her finger, and I said, you know me? She said, yes, your church is next to a Mexican restaurant. Yes, yes, yes. I said, you have been to my church? She said, yes, yes. And she grabs my hand and drags me down the street. She says, I must talk to you alone. Well, Terry and John are just, their mouths are open. Mine is too. It's like, God, this is unbelievable. This has to be you. And she told me this horrible story about a situation in her family. She says, I believe God brought you for this moment to pray for me. And we prayed on that corner and she cried and I cried. And it was as if God was saying, these divine encounters are there if you will do what I told you to do. I felt like going back to the hotel, watching a little television, resting, doing nothing. God felt like letting that lady see that he loved her and cared for her. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have value, value to God. You are very, very valuable to God. God may get somebody else to do what he asks you to do if he can get their attention, but the moment could be lost if we don't realize our value to God and do what he's called us to do. So let's all make this confession. I want to do whatever God wants me to do. Now there's a story in the book of John, chapter, uh, chapter 8, while we're right there in the book of John. And it's a story about the woman caught in adultery. And there are a lot of people out there in the world. Well, let me just ask you this. How many of you, there are some people doing things that they just turn you off what they're doing. But yet they don't turn God off because they have value to God. And that when that woman was caught in the middle of adultery, she was brought to Jesus. And most commentators believe that she was, she was really brought not only to talk about the law of Moses, that they wanted to stone her, the leaders who brought her, but also to try to trick Jesus in that situation. But when they threw her down in front of her, I, you can only imagine the shame that she must have felt since she was caught in the act of adultery. She was brought, she was thrown down there in front of all the people. There was always a crowd around Jesus. And Jesus was just writing something in the dirt. Nobody knows what he was writing. I've heard a lot of people speculate. Maybe he was writing mercy. Maybe he was writing goodness. Maybe he was writing grace, <clears throat> but whatever. But he looked up at him and they said, Moses commanded that she be stoned. What say you? And after a while, he looked at them and then he said, those of you that are without sin cast the first stone. And it said one by one, one by one, the oldest down to the youngest, they began to leave and walk away. There isn't a single one of us here today that doesn't have sin in our life from the past that has been cleansed by the blood our sin that will come against us when we do something wrong today, but yet we know today we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, and that we can run to Him, not from Him, when we miss it. Never run from God when we miss it, but we run to God and say, I missed it today. And we have that advocate. And when Jesus said that, the woman said the woman was standing, and she looked at Jesus, and He said, where are your accusers? where are those who condemn you? And she says, they're gone. 
And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, the only way you could put it into perspective today in this world that we live in is that that was one of the worst sins that you could be committed, committing at that particular point in time, and it was punishable by instant death. So it was an absolute horrible situation that she was in. But yet, Jesus, with the wisdom of Almighty God, conveyed to her that I don't condemn you either. You are not condemned for what you did. And he set her free. But he did say, go and sin no more. The people that are out there in the world that are coming our way are going to need somebody that's going to love them unconditionally. Unconditional love. Remember I said this teaching is deep. (laughs) Unconditional love has no conditions. This is unconditional love. No conditions. And that we are to the point when we are going to be looking for the brokenhearted because we want to see the people easy to look for. You're going to see them as soon as you leave this service. They're going to be on the street corners, the highways. We're going to see the oppressed coming in. We're going to be here for them. We're going to reach out with the love of Jesus to people. But the good news is that they're all going to be coming to Jesus. And even like the story with the baseball player, there's good news and bad news. The good news is that you're going to have a chance to take the value that you have to God and use it. This really isn't bad news, but some of the people that are going to be coming in and assigned to you are going to grade on you too. How many of you already have some like that? Like we're talking about with the Rosmo just a moment ago. Sometimes some people just are not as lovely as others. It's easy to say, I love all people but you don't necessarily like all people. Does that make sense? That turned to your neighbor and say, now he's preaching to you. (laughs) But we get to the point when we say, God, let me see people the way you see them. We're going to talk about that at the end of the service here in just just a couple of moments. But I remember when I prayed that prayer, I believe that prayer is actually changing my life. It's making me think sometimes, like, and I told Pam one time, we were at a restaurant. If you're with Pam, you're going to be at a restaurant somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) We're at a restaurant, and we're talking about about this situation, and all of a sudden, these tears just, it was like a faucet just came out of my eyes. I thought, God, not now. And uh, the waitress was coming, and so when the waitress left, she she said, are you all right? And I said, yeah, but I feel like people are going to look at me and think I'm having some kind of a breakdown or some kind of a midlife crisis. I said, I really think I'm past the midlife part, but, but I feel like something's not going quite right here. And she said, I don't think they think anything about it. And I said, well, you might be right, but I think I'm embarrassed, and that's the problem, because you'll never be embarrassed doing something for God. Does that make sense to you? So the situation... I want to close with this story. It happened to me when it was just a few years ago, and uh, I was asked to do a funeral service for a, a child that had just died. The child was five years old, and I didn't know the mother, but the mother had been to our church once or twice over several year period. And she knew of me and asked if I would do the service. And it was a horrible situation. It was on the local news. It was on the national news. 
child had been tortured, killed, really, and uh, the stepmother had been charged with the crime, as had the father, and the uh, the uh, birth mother who asked me to do the service, <clears throat> I said I, I would, and then in visiting with her, I found out more about the horror that this five-year-old child went through. And uh, we did the service, and you know everything was as well as could be expected. The power of the Lord was there, and people were ministered to. <clears throat> but a day after uh, the service, I felt like the Lord spoke into my spirit. I want you to go to the jail and tell the stepmother that I love her, that she is valuable to me, and I want you to introduce her to my son, Jesus. And by now, I know most all of the details of the situation that happened. And I can tell you that everything inside me did not want to go. I didn't want to be disobedient to God, but there was no compassion whatsoever for that person. I didn't want anybody to know that I was even contemplating it. I certainly didn't want the birth mother to know, but yet it would not leave me. Now, you may not have something that severe, but you have something like that that is either going on in your life or be, will be going on in your life when God will have you to do something that you don't really want to do it. But if you're going to deny yourself and pick up the cross and follow after him, that means you're going to do whatever he shows you to do. And so I finally settled the issue, and I went down to the jail, and I met with this person who was now in prison. And they didn't know who I was, and I told them that, you know, my name is Pastor Bill, that I did the service for your stepdaughter, and uh, that I'm here to tell you that God loves you and that you are valuable to God. This person just broke, sobbed and sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And I began to also. And I told her that you need Jesus in your life. And it's obvious that you don't have him. But that if you would like to receive him, he wants to come into your heart and cleanse you of all of your sins. And the sins were many, what she did to this child. She said, I do. Just cried, I do, I do. <clears throat> And the power of the Holy Spirit was there to lead her to Jesus. I can honestly tell you that it was a very difficult experience to accept that woman because of what she had done. But I believe if we're going to allow God to use us in these last days, we're going to have to open ourselves to the good, the bad, and the ugly. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. 
Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.